robots. This podcast, that record got me high, doesn't live on bread alone. Just like that crazy cat from way back said, we are able to continue doing this, if I do say so myself. Incredible service to humanity, due to the generosity of our patrons at patreon.com, and due to the sponsorship of our benefactors at the weekly webcomic, Is This Tomorrow, Is This Tomorrow, available on Facebook and at isthistomorrow.com, highlights the cognitive dissonance, and rank hypocrisy, emanating from many of our pubic servants, as they Slap their jaws on the airwaves. Public servants? Anyway, get on over to isthistomorrow.com and grab yourself an eyeful. You won't be disappointed. And if you are, there's obviously something wrong with you. 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 I don't know whether Steve... You, oh, wait, Steve, are you on? Yeah, Steve probably... Harry, you said that Rob wasn't going to be there. <laughs> yeah, right? Oh, well, God, oh, this is just... This is awkward. Disappointment, yeah. We're, we're both disappointed then, apparently. Yeah, it's a disappointment <laughs> festival. So imagine, imagine, guys, how, uh, imagine how our wives feel. <laughs> Speaking of disappointment... <laughs> Let me see if I can get the volume up on this a little bit. You guys are a little soft on my phone. Well, Bring it up. There's nothing we can do about that. Flaccid like is the word. Said, imagine how our wives feel. <laughs> Flaccid is the word. Yeah, we're a little soft. <laughs> what are you doing? No, I don't know. I had to start my timer. Uh <laughs> Are we going? Are we rolling? Yeah, 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 yeah. It's been rolling for a while. Welcome, so. welcome everyone to another episode of That Record Got Me High. That is Barry Stock. And that is Rob Elba. And uh, real quick, before we get into the episode proper, I want to announce we have two new patrons. We have Mr. Justin McNeil and Mr. Kevin Keller. So Thank welcome, you, Justin. Justin. And welcome, Kevin. Kevin. Uh, you too can be like them, become a patron, yep. go to patreon.com forward slash TRGMH. I sent them both stupid personalized messages. And become a patron, much like tonight's guest, Barry, because our guest tonight is a, is a, you know what I really, Steve, uh, well, let's announce, who is our guest tonight, Barry? It's a third, third, is this third time or fourth? Fourth. Fourth, fourth time. time. Miss- he's, he's the Alec Baldwin of, uh, <laughs> of that record got me high. <laughs> Steve Mitchner. Yes. From welcome. Portland. Oregon, or from Lake Oswego, Oregon. No, Portland now. Oh, you're not in Lake Oswego? No, we moved into the city of Portland at the end of last year. All right. Oh, good for you. See, look at that. Moving on up. Uh, but yeah, yeah, Steve is a great, this is our, four, I think he's he's our most, uh, the oh, guest for we've sure. on yeah, the most yeah, time. Yep. And uh, what else can we say about him that we haven't said? Because we said. Uh, well, but not everybody's going to go back and listen. What other, what other records have you talked about, Steve? Uh, the first record we talked about was way back in the early days of the show when it was uh, <laughs> yeah. the dial-up. Early 2000s. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we did uh, Jonathan Richens, uh, well, The Modern Lover's first record. That's right. right, yes. And then I think I conned you into inviting the band, oh, uh, that's Big Dipper. Right. Yes. The entire band. That was awesome. So it was one of, one of my... Um, Appearances then it was just I, I was with the in a group and that yeah. was with the, all four members of Big Dipper talking about our uh, 
Our, uh, your major label? Landmark. Uh, our major label debut in Swansong, uh, Slam. That was a lot of fun to do yes. that. Thank you for indulging us. It was fun. And uh, and then we did, uh, you introduced us to a band that we were not that familiar with. True. The Monochrome Set. Yes. Yes. And that now, was the last and, time. and as far as I'm concerned, you introduced me to this band we're going to talk about tonight. I, I know Barry knew some. Uh, Actually, some truth be told, I didn't. Oh, you didn't? I, okay. No, no. This was a new. Um, the, as far as we can figure, the only person we knew that knew the probably knew the go-betweens was our friend Megan in Atlanta because it was it was just the kind of thing where this would be what something she would have owned when we were in, in the eighties when we were in college. Right. Yeah, and I could totally see that they were totally a band. Well, just real quick, we didn't mention Steve, Mr. Steve Michener is just a you know he's just some dude living in uh, in uh, Portland, but he has played in the bands. Big Dipper, he played in Volcano Suns, he played in Dump Truck, yada, yada, yada. I, was, I, was, I forget who we were talking to, but I said apparently in the, in the 80s in Boston, there wasn't anyone else available to play bass except you. Because, right. Well, when right. He, but Steve, when he raised his hand, you could see it because he's, you're, how tall are you, six foot what? <laughs> so he got, okay. We'll the tall guy, you in the back. All right, so Steve, yeah. what are we talking about tonight? What did you bring us? Uh, I brought you the go-betweens. 16 Lovers Lane. Yes. And apparently, you're just, you're, an, I, I mean, I'm sort of getting a feel of the, of what you like, <laughs> the type of music, but you're, I, I feel like you're also just, you're, you're into getting bands that you could find the singers of and drive them around. <laughs> <laughs> that is because what did, what, what just happened? So let's, oh, okay. uh, let's just get, uh, let's just get into this again. Um, the question was, the question for our guest. <laughs> What have you been doing this last week? Well, Barry, it's funny that you asked. <laughs> so you're giving me a hard time about, uh, uh, Rob, about driving, uh, only picking artists that I can drive around. Right. I'd love to drive yeah. Jonathan Richard. Whoa, what the hell? Oh, that's right. You, you, just saw, you just saw him too recently, right? I saw that. Yeah. You've been, yes, that's but, great. Uh, You've been seeing some, all right. So Robert Forrester, how did you, how did you come to be <laughs> driving Robert Forrester of uh, the <laughs> go-between around town? Well, my old friend and uh, former band uh, manager slash booking agent, Jim Romeo, is, uh, books his band now out of his North Carolina office, or books out Robert Forrester. Right. And, um, so he uh, let me know that Robert was coming. Like earlier in the year, he uh, he knew I was a big fan and said that he was coming, and asked if there was a chance that I could do some chauffeur work for him when he was in town because he's he's flying from town to town. So he's it's just him and his guitar case. Oh right, cool. And um, so of course I. I jumped at the uh, opportunity to meet one of my musical heroes. I know in this show that you've always said, "Don't meet your, don't meet your musical heroes." Right. Yeah. But for you, it's, but it's, it's worked out pretty good, right? Worked out. Yeah, I met the, the Monochrome Set, and these guys were tremendous people, and it was so much fun to be around. And then, uh, you know, of course, I was nervous about meeting Robert, uh, but he turned out to be as sweet and as area died as he is on record so that was a nice. great weekend and uh now let me ask you when you announced i'm just curious when you announced this to, to your wife like what you're doing does she go wait wait what <laughs> again <laughs> what are you doing now again with yeah, the driving 
She's pretty over me, although this was a, a lot less intrusive than the uh, monochromes. That was a whole week. Than like touring with uh, yeah. the. So you didn't. T- so you just basically picked them up at the airport and you know took them. To, well, that, that's, Wined that's and dined cool. him for yeah. a day and. Well, that's that's yeah. awesome. And uh, did you tell like this was recently? So did did you tell him that you were going to come on our show and we were talking about Sixteen Lovers Lane? Yes, I forgot to get the um, you know the promo thing. I'm sorry about that. No, I was going to have him don't worry about it. say something. But yeah, I told him and I, I asked him. I said, please give me something I can talk about. You know, give me give me a little juicy tidbit from the record. Okay. Um, but uh, he uh, he he's he's not. You know, I couldn't get any good gossip. <laughs> it was a long time ago. It was a long. All right. So uh, basically, yeah, for did. for those that don't know, the Go Betweens were an Australian uh, band uh, from uh, in uh, Brisbane. Brisbane. Yeah, uh, Brisbane. Brisbane. Yeah. They formed Brisbane. in in nineteen seventy seven, and uh, but this album, Sixteen Lovers Lane, was actually released in eighty eight on uh, Beggars. Banquet. A lot of people know uh, Beggar's Banquet. They yes. Have a lot of uh, great uh, records that they put out. Yes. So, Steve, so when did you when did uh, you uh, discover them? I think I I knew you'd ask. Yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I racked my, uh, my brain, and I believe it was when their uh, single came out for uh, Man of Sand. It's called Man of Sand. Okay. To Girl of Sea, which would have been, I think, 83... Right around the time that um, their record before Hollywood came out. Okay. And so I uh, um, was living in Boston. I was in Volcano Suns. And the record came out, and I fell in love with the single. I bought the album um, uh, before Hollywood. And then the uh, Go-Betweens announced their first U.S. tour. They were coming to Boston Okay. to play at Storyville. So I called the guy. I knew the person who was book I was booking Volcano Sons and so I called the the um, the club which happened to be in the uh, first floor of the rehearsal studios that we uh, practiced in oh, in nice. Kenmore Square so and I said I'm a big fan of the band you know I got Volcano Sons we'd, we'd love to play and um, uh, you know I said we can do it cheaply too because we we just practice right upstairs right <laughs> and she's like okay i'll give you nothing oh, okay. <laughs> well that's convenient <laughs> i said you can get in for free and i'll give you a drink ticket but that was about it wow. so uh but we were thrilled to play and actually it's funny because when i talked to robert um this weekend i mentioned that yeah we had played together and actually that show and big dipper played with them uh, many years later, like 1987. Oh, okay. wow. Nice. Uh, the go-betweens and Alex Chilton were doing a tour together. Right. And uh, you guys opened for them uh, in the, what was the club called? In Boston, it was called Storyville. Oh, okay. sorry. Yeah, he was. Uh, so he remembered which one? He remembered the vol- one with the Volcano Suns or the one with Big Dipper? Yeah. He said, oh, yes, Volcanic Suns. They were very good things. <laughs> yes. Um, so that was, uh that was fun to, and they were living. To. They had moved to London. They were in London for that entire period, right up until they, yeah, right before. Yeah, they had a weird history. Yes, it was. Uh, so that was eighty three. So yeah, I guess they would have been. Yeah, they feared that they could make much of a dent in the pop charts if they were living in Australia, and so they moved to London and. Um, Got associated with rough trade and beggars and, okay. and all that. 
and did not um, really yeah. did not climb up the charts in any sort of meaningful fashion during that <laughs> five year period. No. Yeah, no, and this is like one of the things about the band. So, um, uh, I mean, I, I'm a huge fan, and I've been very evangelical about this band ever since the that single. Just trying to turn people onto them because I thought. This is the uh, uh, theme in my life. It's a band that I just think is good enough to be on the radio, good enough to be pop stars. You know, they write incredible songs and they're catchy. You know, nobody expected Mission of Burma. I love Mission of Burma, but nobody expected them no. to be pop stars. But, right, no. right. So this is a band like the Go-Betweens and the Monochrome Set. It's like these, these songs should be all over the radio. And Big Dipper, not to blow smoke up your ass, but, but Big Dipper, Big as, Dipper well. as well. I <laughs> thought that when I was living up in Boston, yeah. I thought that the same oh, thing about well, Thank Big you. Dipper. That's very nice. But dude, well, all right. But so one thing about this band is they're definitely more than those other bands. They're really pop, especially this record. Because the thing is, I'm, me and Barry are basically our frame of reference is just this record. So it's and, right. But you know the band. So how much were, were they? I'm, uh, I, I'm guessing their earlier stuff maybe wasn't as uh, produced and polished as this record is. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, the the thing is with this, uh, to listen to this record, to just come at it, it is a little bit uh, taking it backwards. To really appreciate, I think, the, um, the band, you have to kind of go through the, the, the whole catalog and see how they kind of grew and... Right. Well, me, me and Barry have a podcast. We have a lot, lots of music to listen. To, I know. So we can't. I mean, you know, can't there's only so much music. So I'll just take you through it. So <laughs> they were in their early. Their first two albums were very unusual. Um, if you listen to them, the, the meter, the time signatures were unusual. The, they were kind of how to write pop songs, and they it was not very traditional at all. Okay. And then around the time of the third, fourth record, they started to write more poppy songs. And we should uh, mention here to, that there's a. A core duo of songwriters that basically the the band right, is formed right. around. Robert Forster, yes. the aforementioned Robert Forster, who uh, Steve was the chauffeur for on his tour of Portland, <laughs> and Grant McLennan, uh, who yes. is the other uh, main songwriter and uh, who died in 2006, Six. right? Yeah. Yes, but tragically. Also, yeah. the other interesting thing that I learned about this band, they didn't know that it was, uh, for a while, it was a band of uh, a couple. It was like two couples. Yes, Fleetwood Mac. It was. Yes. Uh, <laughs> and Rob didn't. There isn't. I, I should mention for anyone who hears this podcast, go, and I, I hate to send people to YouTube because, you know, whatever. There is an amazing documentary. It's about 55 minutes long from Australian television, specifically about the making of. 16 Lovers Lane, and it is a pretty remarkable bit of work. Um, not only is the album a remarkable bit of work, but so is the the documentary about the making of it and the interpersonal struggles yes. that went on with the band um, during the time of the making. It's it, we, we were watching it, and we were Susan was like, this is it's like Fleetwood Mac, and I was like, exactly. <laughs> without, the, yeah. without the copious quantities of... Um, right, Bolivian okay. nose candy. <laughs> well, we don't know, but we assume. Yeah, but yeah. It's a there. This is and this is their rumors. So yes, it is. This is where it all came. In. It's also their slam because yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. They're, There's a couple of songs right. on this record that are dead on number one 
hit singles uh, that you really when catchy you, and yeah. So, uh, but um, yeah, but you know, but like 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 I've, I've said many times, it doesn't. You know, quality is no guarantee that uh, no, gonna obviously not. Or do anything. And these guys were. Oops, lost you, Steve. Stefan. Wow, we are really not doing well with the totally dropped it. Fucking Actually, shit. Actually, he moved. <laughs> I, don't think he, I don't think he's moving. I think I it's just... Uh, did you move, Steve? I did not even... I did not even blink. I was... See, I was... Cur- I go, I bet he f- f- fucking move. walked around or something. So... <laughs> When your phone, when the when your number rings on my phone, which I just entered your number for the first time, it says Steve Mishner, and underneath it in little letters it says Big Dipper. <laughs> Apparently, Barry's phone's a uh, fan. Yeah. That's how I'm listed and listed uh, in the yellow pages of Big Dipper. And you know, it's so funny because, like, here I am. It's like how many years later? Uh, you know, I meet all these people like through the club and through. Uh, on this tour and it came up again this weekend I met uh, uh, Calvin from Beat Happening was uh, oh wow okay and, and all these other people from you know the distant past and I'm like uh, hey I'm Steve from, uh, Steve Michener from Big Dipper and like for God's sakes I haven't played in the band for a fucking Decades. I know, yeah, but, but that's, that's you. This you. <laughs> You're always going to be known. You're, rep, like, you're repping Big Dipper. That's it's the like thing. some people are always going to remember Ron Howard as Opie from the Andy Griffith Show. You For know, sure. That's that's right. Opie. Yeah. That's, I love that. Yeah. So yeah. With Opie, no though. money. I get that with no money. No residual. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yes. He's probably still getting Opie money. Um, <laughs> but, but I was talking about the, the fact that, uh, you know, they'd, they'd had a lot of trouble. One of the reasons why they weren't as popular is because they had a lot of trouble with the labels. Uh, they were signed to Sire UK, um, but apparently, according to Robert, the the Sire UK office was one woman who worked uh, Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays. <laughs> so Seymour yeah, Stein was not could, uh, was not paying attention yeah. to what was going on. Exactly, and if uh, they wanted to do anything, they had to call New York and then come back the next day and and uh, get the answer. So Seymour says no. <laughs> Seymour said no. Come back next week. <laughs> And then their next record, uh, Liberty Bell, they signed to Electra, and they were like, "Okay, this is it. We're getting. We got Electra Records." And then Electra closed. Oh, uh, the week they started recording the record, just shut their doors. No more Electra Records. Shut the doors. But they did actually uh, pay for the record. They had already advanced them the money, so they had this record. Okay. And uh, came out on Beggars there and Big Time Records, which uh, also Dump Truck was on. Yep, I remember Big Time um, Records. Which is a nightmare for that uh, dump truck will never uh, yes. forget. Oh, so, yeah. So many nightmares, huh? Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Rock and roll, and then, so kids, 16, it's a rough business. Yeah, 16 Lovers Lane came out. So uh, uh, came out in on Mushroom Records in Australia and Capitol Records in the U.S., but um, I don't think Capitol really knew what to do with them. Yeah. And... Uh, and uh, Mushroom was a big label there, I guess, in, in Australia, and they were on Beggars in the UK. I mean, uh, Mushroom had Kylie, Kylie Minogue. Was, uh, oh, yeah, that's a huge yes. Okay, but it's, all right, so the one thing that confused me, though, in listening to them, uh, a band that I, that I hear a lot of similarities to, and I'm curious about you, Steve. First of all, I'm going to ask you something. Are you a fan, mm-hmm. or have you been a fan of the Smiths at all? Oh yeah, I love the Smiths oh, early okay. on. Okay, I was see, I was afraid you were going to be. Oh no, I hate the Smiths. I'm going, you idiot! They're almost like the same band. <laughs> There's some definite similarity. It's funny because the uh, the the Go Betweens are on Rough Trade, and they put out a record on Rough Trade, and um, or they were getting starting to get the push. Oh, it was before Hollywood, so that came out, and they were like the darlings, and then they went. 
uh, it came back like two days later, and oh no, they, they got the record. The Smiths record came out on Rough Trade, right? And they went back to Australia to uh, take care of some business, uh, personal business, and then they came back and they were like, "Oh, we've moved on." Oh, really? Uh, Jeff, uh, what's the guy's name from Rough Trade? Yeah. The rough trade dude, Jeff. Yeah. Um, yeah, he had, he was like, okay, all everything's going into the Smiths. Oh, and, okay. Uh, so, see, sometimes but he that did hook them up with, It becomes like an either But he did hook them up with Sire. He, he gave right, him Sire, right. but that was, yeah. That anyway, didn't work so. out. That didn't work out. But, yeah, that, just listening to him, I could think, yeah, I could totally hear them on college radio, at least, for sure. Yeah, and, for, uh, for sure. And, uh, yeah, definitely uh, some similarities to the Smiths. And I also hear... Uh, Velvet Underground, but very polished Velvet Underground. Yes. Loaded, maybe more like Loaded yep. Air Velvet. Well, I hear Bob, Z- Bob Dylan. And Bob Dylan, yeah, yeah. exactly. And also, oh, yeah. I hear yeah. um, a Echo and the Bunnymen as well. I hear in the vocal stylings, I hear a mm-hmm. certain similarity <laughs> yeah, stuff. But then but then again, they're, they're, they've got their own odd, quirky, emotional resonance, this band. Their, their songs are... Um, well, the the songwriters have different mo's. So yes. Robert is more um, cerebral. I think would be the um, I guess is how it's it's been described. And Grant was more. Um, um, he had more like I seem more of the pop. Pop songwriters were, yeah. were Grant, yes. yeah, and maybe yeah. Robert had a little more of a, his songs had an edge to it. But the thing that initially, uh, when I first listened to this record, I wasn't crazy about it. And the thing is, uh, one thing about me is, I'm not crazy about love songs. I'm not a big love song guy. Well, and this, this is what this, <laughs> this record is, is basically all... a record. But uh, but then as I kept listening to it, I realized, oh, okay, this is like the the theme of this record. This yes, is, right. And yeah. it's almost like it takes <laughs> yeah. you through. So that then I sort of uh, appreciated it more. Uh, yeah, because I'm just not a big love song guy. I'm always like, how many songs do we need to hear about love already? You know, enough, <laughs> enough with the love already. Well, but um, <laughs> Yeah, no, I think these guys do a good job of avoiding the cliches. Yeah, for uh, sure. Yeah, and they took they took love seriously. I mean, they this yeah, is maybe like, a little too, maybe to a fault, maybe a little too. Serious. <laughs> well, um, well, Robert, the, yeah, they're go ahead. both fans of poets. They're both like big uh, poetry fans. In fact, that's one of the when they met back at college. That was one of their. They're both cinematic uh, fans. You know, fans of uh, of uh, arty cinema, fans of the great poets, right? Great books, great authors. But and you you hit the nail on the head with your the influences because I have written on my notes like in huge letters, Dylan. Yeah, right. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Robert has a song where he said uh, oh, something like, I, "I only stop when I get rolling. I only stop for petrol and Dylan." <laughs> Pretty much. You, you and you and hear the, those things come up on the album. The tones, the harmo- there's harmonica, yeah. and um, right. The uh, uh, the interest another tidbit from that I learned from the documentary is these guys were all fairly rudimentary musicians um, mm-hmm. or at least self described rudimentary musicians. They yeah, could I play guess self taught. Yeah, from self-taught. what I read, I guess they said the bass player, the, the one, the, the they, fifth they, wheel of the band, was the best musician. Well, the, the bass player was hired before this. It's album. always the case, Rob. <laughs> oh, that's right. Yeah, there you I go. Forgot. Right. forgot who we were talking to. So yeah. during the course of the documentary, they they interview this. What's the ba- uh, pardon me? What's the bass player's name? John John Willsteed John was the, John the bass player for this who album. Yeah. Apparently. Was a gigantic pain in the ass, according to the, the <laughs> well, other. Well, as bass players can, yeah. can be. But <laughs> he starts discussing. He was the one. He said, "Oh yeah, I played all the guitars on that and all the right, gu-. right, he, yeah. he played 
all anything intricate or or um, <laughs> it was him. It was him, and and it's and they just, probably and they had some trouble recreating, recreating. it uh, live. Yeah, I read something. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, I can imagine it's very produced. But uh, you know, another really influence is. that I want to get in because I think it uh, is something that gets missed. But and it surprised me too. But they were friends and big fans of the birthday party. <laughs> oh my really? God. Oh, that I would not. Have. <laughs> I would not. And in fact, they did a record together. Really? With with Nick Cave and the birthday party. Yes. And I am not. <laughs> What's I am it not called? Because well, I'm, I'm not enough of a record collector to. Um, I'll dig. I'll dig it up. But I'm sure your Google friend, your friends at Google, can figure it out. I'm sure they will. Yeah, that's and not yeah, what they, you would have guessed at all. No, no, never would have no, guessed that. No, they recorded that's a single. It's really cool. Yeah, it's really cool. And they were friends throughout. They would hang out. They hung out together in London. Uh, they shared a squad with some of the guys in uh, Birthday Party. Wow. And right. and uh, in it. Robert's... Go ahead. I know. It's shocking, but it in Robert's shocking. book, uh, he, his first, you know, his moment of awakening, you know, he was a big music fan, obviously, loved the Velvets, loved Dylan. But the punk thing, the punk uh, spark for him was the Saints uh, stranded. Oh yeah, oh, right. yeah. It probably was for a lot of people in Australia. Australia, right. yeah. Well, that's what the the band my go to. Aside, uh, the, the the Saints are always like the band. Yeah, yeah, sure. and, uh, Oh, well, there's the Saints. Yeah, the Saints. Yeah, I think we actually played with the Saints down in uh, in um, where was that, uh, Rob? I mean, uh, Barry, was it? Uh, uh, oh, Jacksonville Beach. We all oh, for the same. Oh, wow. There you go. A much later version of the same. Yeah, right, right. 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 Um, all right, so let's get into this record already. And then it's, it's yes, funny let's talking. Let's do it. I love it. Let's hear the uh, birthday party influence in this first song. Yeah. <laughs> let's listen it's to it. It's over. Yes. <laughs> love goes on. There's a cat in my alleyway Dreaming of birds that are blue Sometimes go when I'm lonely This is how I think about you There are times that I want you I want you so much I could bust I know a thing about lovers Lovers lie down in trust Love goes on anyway Don't feel any shame Late at night where the light's down low The candle burns to the end I know a thing about darkness Darkness ain't my friend so what a beautiful inch pop intro with these lo- lovely flourishes and uh, acoustic. I was going to say most of the guitars on this record are much like the uh, what was that record we did a couple weeks ago in uh, in the airplane over the sea. Um, oh yeah, Milk Hotel. Hotel. Oh, yeah. Hotel. Uh, acoustic, yeah. mostly uh, acoustic guitars on this. Yes, and yeah, also, and this is yeah, interesting go ahead. because the record uh, the records before really relied on. I mean, there was acoustic guitars as part of the textures right. of the records leading up to this. Um, but they were mostly both playing electric guitar at the same time on those records. But I think this record was the where they rediscovered the acoustic 
and it they brought it to the fore. And oh, what yeah, was the pro- sure. the producers was um, a big big name oh, producer yeah. who had uh, yeah. So Mark Wallace, Mark Wallace, who had had some some big hits. Um, yeah, right before he recorded this, he had done uh, Talking Heads, right? Uh, Naked. Naked, yeah, sure. Which is a big, which is a big record. Um, and another band that uh, shares uh, influences in a fandom with the uh, go-betweens, the U2, right? The U2s, yes, oh. right. He had done he had done Joshua Tree, and apparently U2 are big fans of the band. You know and, what? Um, I There's hear, a I song hear some on U2. here, and I yeah. said, "Oh my god, I feel like U2 heard this." Uh, either U2 heard it, or, or there's some cross pollination. Well, I'm there. trying to think. When did the yeah. Joshua Tree come out, though? What year? Uh, it would have been before this. Oh, well, all right. So then these guys heard you too, because it's that, or or it could have been the uh, producer's influence too. Just sure. The sound of it sure. reminded me. I said that I, sounds like something from the Joshua. It, it definitely, yeah. Uh, okay, that makes sense. Back when you yeah, two were not, you know. So all right. So this is the uh, this is a Grant song, Grant uh, McLennan song, and uh, right. Even even him, it's a love song. You know, there, there's a cat in my alleyway, dreaming of birds that are blue. Sometimes mm-hmm. a girl, sometimes girl when I'm lonely. This is how I think about you. But he, <laughs> but I noticed, I, I know, Steve, first of all, I picture you uh, like listening to these lyrics and going, they, I, I get what they're saying. <laughs> <laughs> well, but, I, I like this. I think this is a good way to start the album and uh, focus on that that little couplet because they, you know, it's, it's a love song, but it's, I mean, that's kind of a twisted way to say, you know, I love you. There like, is. You know, and and, and th- there's a lot of that on the record and actually in t- the end of the song, cause they say when he says the line, I know a thing about lovers, lovers want the moon. And when he says lovers want the moon, first you think, oh, lovers want to be under the moon and stuff. But no, lovers like but want everything. They, they want, they yeah. ask for too right. much. Uh, right. During the documentary, um, one of his, um, his uh, f- former girlfriends um, discusses his. He would become a, a basically he like he would have these very intense relationships that would would blow apart, oh, and that's right. so. Oh, yeah, that was Lindy. Yeah. Well, Lindy yeah. was yeah. yeah. So Lindy so. Uh, Forster, yeah, Robert, Forster Robert Forster, Forster were a couple. Yeah, we're a couple, and then this guy Grant McLennan. I guess for a while he was obsessed with uh, Amanda Brown, who was the multi instrumentalist. Yes, Amanda okay, Brown. yeah. So she, yeah, she joined the the band, the album before this, and he fell in love with her, or they fell in love, right? And um, and it's a yeah, you know, it's a great love story. They and so every, just about every is song it, on this album is it a great is love story, Steve? <laughs> I mean, it, it's it, and it did. So the thing about Lin- the thing well, okay. with the thing about Lindy is the drummer is you see her interviewed and she's got a real edge to her. She's oh, a man, very edgy, yeah. edgy person. Well, and, you know, she's also quite a bit older. She was born yeah, in forty-seven. Yeah, oh shit! Oh like, wow! So, like yeah. Jet Black from the Stranglers. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> Lindy, I knew the Stranglers would come up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or maybe to get that in there. Yeah, or maybe fifty three. Uh, maybe she was born in fifty three. Anyway, she was significantly yeah. older gonna... than the other members of the band, and so she definitely has a more, um, uh, some more withered eye approach to uh, things. Um, and she yeah, also. And you, if you want to, no, go ahead. If go you ahead. want to talk about the, uh, I got to talk about Lindy because I know we give a lot of credit to the, um, to the to two songwriters. Um, but especially on the earlier albums, and I'll talk about her role on this album in a minute, but on the early albums, her her drum parts are such a key part of the, the band yeah. and the songs. Oh really? And if you okay. listen to if you listen to one of the great early songs called Cattle and Cane, 
Okay, yes. It's an impossible song to play along with. And and she creates this beautiful, simple drum part. And it's in like 13, 9 time. Oh, my God. Wow. So she actually (laughs) was able to handle these. uh, I think she's one of the best uh, drummers. Now, on this album, it's interesting. uh, I think they noted on the documentary or I read somewhere that her dad was dying as they started recording this. Oh, and yeah, so because she was pulled away. There aren't a lot of drums on this, and there's some drum machines. Right. Well, she yeah. programmed the drum machines, and she played r- real drums, but it was cobbled together from a lot of times. And uh, um, Mark Wallace, did I get the name? Is that him, the producer? Yeah, yeah. He had his idea was to have the two to uh, have Robert and Grant start recording the songs by just facing each other, playing acoustic guitars. And then everything was layered on top of that. So instead of starting right. with the rhythm section, they're starting with the um, the guitarists, which gives the whole thing. The whole record has a very distinctive and um, somewhat yeah, unse- and I'm going to say unsettling <laughs> feel. It's very beautiful, <laughs> yeah, and but it's strummy. Yeah. It's very it's strummy. very strummy. <laughs> but it's yeah, also right. um, it's it's um, it's not exactly happy. It's <laughs> no, there's no, a lot of melancholy. Mo- melancholy, that's yeah, it, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But Bitter, it, there's some bitter. And this is uh, this is why I was happy when I found out that you guys didn't really know the album, right? Because I really I love because I have like listened to this album so many times and love it and am immersed in the go between. So it's always good to get. I love to hear other people's opinion, and especially people who you know think about music like you guys do. Um, so it's great to hear your uh, opinions on it's, this. It's great that you think that we actually think about things. Yeah, yeah, that's nice. <laughs> you guys, you guys do your homework. I appreciate no, I'm that. Excited. I'm excited. I'm excited for other people who, because uh, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of people that maybe oh I've heard of them but don't know. No, and I'm excited for people to listen because I know a lot of people do that. They check it out, and I think a lot of people are, are going to really say, like. Wow, that's yeah, really good. It's record, very cool. It really is. And uh, well, one right. of the things about that, so that is a backwards way to record because I've never, certainly never recorded like that. Yeah, um, yeah, but yeah. the way that they one of the different things they did with this record is uh, they initially when they were back in the college days they would write songs together, and then they kind of drifted apart, became probably a little competitive. Right. And then um, when they made a conscious decision, like coming back to Australia, but they also came back to this method of writing. So they, uh, when they wrote this album, they were in the same room together. Oh. Oh wow! And so they they sat down together and and bounced ideas off of each other, and so it was a little e- different except, from there. Except, except for, for that one, one song. song, which we'll get to. Yeah, we won't we'll don't say it. We'll no, spoiler alert, man. Yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> All right, so let's listen to the second song on the record. Uh, also, a Grant McLennan song. Let's listen. Uh, well, when I say that, I'm saying this, the main singer is. Uh, yeah, yeah, right. sure. Right. Um, and main song. Right. Yes, uh, but let's listen to Quiet Heart. Trying hard 
So this is the one I was thinking. It definitely has a with or without you vibe at the beginning. I can take it that. back further than that because I kept, I kept going, man, this is velvety. This is a velvet vibe, especially with the viola or the violin. And then mm. I realized yeah. this song is very, very similar to Heroes by David Bowie. And if you oh, yeah, two it, chords back and forth, two yeah. chords back and forth, and the the, the way the, um, the the material it just feels like heroes. And heroes, of course, is a is a velvety song as well. So yeah, right. that's a. All right. Also, do you guys hear a little? I hear like when you two. I hear the U two thing in there for but sure. Also, this may come out of left field, but uh, Paul Westerberg, like when he sings his wispier, quieter things, he reminds me of Paul mm, Westerberg. Yeah, but he's, the way yeah, he's but singing, yeah, sure, but he's, like a less raspy, wispier Paul Westerberg. Less drunk, also probably. <laughs> I, what I hear is the uh, people who are getting into your uh, podcast through Naked Raygun tur- turning <laughs> off the, the podcast at this point. We, it's, you, you know, know what? It's, it's what some I, people know. are just like, they're all over the place and they love, they're like, oh, I love everything. And then some people are like, nope. Right. So now we finally yeah. get so something. So that's, uh, well, let me just say one. I got my notes here. I got to no, get go this. No, go ahead. I'm uh, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. I got to get this in here. I wrote, the, do I do wrote this stuff down. <laughs> I got to read it. <laughs> we appreciate that, uh, Steve. Well, go ahead. Yeah, so I mean, Quiet Heart obviously is a song about Amanda, and it's about uh, lovers being separated. Yes, um, and how and it's kind of a, I, one of the reasons why I appreciate this song is it's kind of about how men can't really say they're you know talk about their feelings. Yes, As, I can only say it when we're apart. Yes, right. and that comes up in the documentary well, as well. Maybe he shouldn't have been playing in a band with her then. You know, <laughs> well, that's all. You know, it just you know how that goes. Yeah. And I like the banal lyrics. You know, it's a love song, but the first line is, uh, the heater's on, Yeah. Uh, the windows are thin. Um, and I love that line. Do- doesn't matter how far you've come, you've always got further to go. Right, right, yeah. And you can hear um, uh, the drum, the pr- drums or the programming, um, they're doing the the beat, you know, the heartbeat is right underneath oh, the song. Oh, for sure, yeah. Well, that's There's the, your heart yeah, the, that's the, the, it's got the hero's drum beat. And it's also got a, I would say, Maureen Tucker, that, that just primal, boom, boom, pop, boom, 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 Primal, pop. right. It yeah, is a, primal it drumming, is yeah. Um, all right, so now we get to the third song. Now we get to a Robert Forster song, which definitely, I would say that um, technically uh, McLennan has maybe a better voice, but I, I'm partial mm-hmm. to uh Horster's <laughs> voice myself I'm glad to hear you say that not just yeah not just because you drove him around either but just because I I, <laughs> I, I just feel no, like no, maybe no, yeah. he has a little bit it has just a little it's a little quirkier a little more of an edge which is yeah, yeah. I'm more drawn to that you know just that's a personal yeah. taste but uh but they're both really good I mean the other guy's great too but um yeah so all right yes, so and they sound great together too yeah, and, yeah. and they apparently they were in a contest to see who could write the most love songs for this record so this song <laughs> is another uh, love in the title, let's listen to Love is a Sign. I'm ten feet underwater Standing in a sunken canoe Looking up at the water lilies They're green and violet blue Still the sun it finds A place to light me And still the sun it finds That it's warm beside me 
green and violet blue No matter what you say, no matter what you do I want to be the one and love is a sign Great. Well, this song doesn't even doesn't even have any drums on it at all, does it? No, I don't think so. Right. And that's where I hear it in the trailer. It could just be his inflection. I hear the Ian McCulloch um, inflection when he trails off the end of words, and I will oh, not okay, okay. I will not even attempt to imitate. <laughs> I, no, I know what you're talking about. I also yeah, that's why I was saying the guy from the church too. Some of this stuff reminds well, the, me of the way the guy actually, from the church. He actually did a record with. Uh, didn't Forza do a record with uh, one of the guys from the church? I believe, right? Actually, it was uh, Grant. Oh, Grant did. Sorry. Well, <laughs> yeah, they did a record together called Jack. They had a, a band, a duo called Jack Frost. Okay. So. Uh, were you making fun of Robert's accent when you were driving him around like you just were now? <laughs> yeah. I would say I'd be like, right, right, right. Um, yeah, no, I love that. That's one of the things. Like, if you saw the go-betweens in their heyday, uh, they Robert was extremely theatrical. Like, uh, Grant's very workmanlike, sang his songs. Um, like I said, much probably more of a pop, traditional pop voice. But, right. But Robert was like very theatrical and very dramatic, and oh, he so would like take those words. Ray Davies made more uh, more like a Ray Davies type character, like a British. Because even though he's not British, I know he's Australian, but like sort of that over. Well, he, uh, he's there's a lot of videos, uh, some of their videos where he's wearing makeup or he's wearing lipstick, right? He's wearing a dress, right. um, and uh, that even comes up in the documentary yeah. about. Um, oh, okay. His um, predilection for wearing, you know, women's clothing. Which yeah, is fine. There's a, great, it's all good. There's, a, there's a great quote that calls him a, a bookstore Brian Ferry. Oh, <laughs> ah, that's perfect. Actually, yes, yeah. perfect. Yeah, but yeah, he's uh, and he still is. I mean, he's toned down the theatrics a little bit uh, now that he's playing solo acoustic. But he still has great, uh, great facial expressions. He still knows how to uh, sell the songs. He's, he's a very entertaining performer. All right. Um, but the uh, the one thing that struck me on I mean this this album is so produced I mean it is very very produced it is, is it is which is the original like I said there. It, which was the initial thing that kind of turned me off until I listened to it you know another I started listening to it and I said oh okay no but it's really good and and and, and it's okay something can be produced but it can be it's not just, cheesy it's not it's not right right there's right. no there's no DX seven sounds in there where you go oh Christ you know the song was great until the the this synthesizer came. Came in. Yeah, there's 80s right, textures, right. but they're there's not probably awful. Probably some songs I might have liked better if it was actually the band just playing them in a probably room. Probably true, but yeah. you know right. that's uh, artistic. But even I, I did, I read something where Forster himself said that he wasn't as ha- he wasn't happy with the record at first, but then when he revisited later, he goes, "Oh, okay, yeah, right. It's a pop record. It's a really good pop record." Yeah, and even he appreciated. Yeah, the uh, what he told me when I asked him to uh, to give me something something for the podcast. Yeah. He said, it's a, tell them that it's the best album ever recorded in Sydney. Uh, that's, that's great. That's okay. Um, all right, so you let's know, take he was, a... He's very proud of it. Well, good. Yeah, as he should be, as he should be. All right, let's, oh, take, a, uh, let's take a little break. My, i got to get my favorite line in here, though. Hey, you yeah. do it, man. You're the boss. Um, so my favorite lyric from uh, Love is a Sign, and I think this has a lot... Uh, this um, kind of corresponds to the band itself. Uh, one of the lines says, uh, "Wave after wave, our tension and our tenderness." And on a, you know, I think it's a great lyric about relationships. 
And um, then also, also think... a band, like how a band exists. Yeah. Usually it's the tension that makes a band good, but it's also what eventually uh, tears them apart. And, yes. Uh, yeah. Right. Right. It's like the combination. Yeah. yeah. So that is uh, that is good. And that I did appre- I do appreciate that these love songs do they they do leave uh, things open to interpretations and they're not just uh, oh yeah these are the mill com- yeah these There's are complicated going up. yeah these yeah. are complicated relationships about complicated people and I think that if you see watch that documentary you'd be like yeah these are all very complex individuals and that yeah um, <laughs> probably and I if I had to put one. Um, name one reason why they weren't hugely successful. It's that they're too smart, and which is we've also co- come across with other bands where they they're presenting right. things m- in a more sophisticated way than um, you know basically your boiled ham approach to pop music. Um, you right, know. but also there's the problem. One of the problems that they probably ran into is that they didn't have a defined front man. Right, so you've got two two people singing and going yeah. back and forth. And, right, you know they're different but not you know they're they're both in the same yep now it's forster he's playing some harmonica which is a dylan a little oh, dylan harmonica in this. yes it, it, is he still doing that does he do that now when he's doing his solo thing does he do some harmonica does he do the dylan harmonica thing holder thing no no no, no he no doesn't harmonica okay. i was no, just wondering yeah. all right so let's uh me and barry uh we have to refill our drinks we've got to take a little uh little break so we <laughs> Yeah, that's our beer. That's our empty beer cans. So we're going to take a break. We're going to come back more with Mr. Steve Super Guest. That record got me. I Super Guest Steve Mitchner talking about (laughs) the go-betweens. We'll be back in a minute. Listen up, robots. This podcast, that record got me high, doesn't live on bread alone. Just like that crazy cat from way back said, we are able to continue doing this, if I do say so myself. Incredible service to humanity, due to the generosity of our patrons at patreon.com, and due to the sponsorship of our benefactors at the weekly webcomic, Is This Tomorrow, Is This Tomorrow, available on Facebook and at isthistomorrow.com, highlights the cognitive dissonance, and rank hypocrisy, emanating from many of our pubic servants. As they flap their jaws on the airwaves. Public servants? Anyway, get on over to isthistomorrow.com and grab yourself an eyeful. You won't be disappointed. And if you are, there's obviously something wrong with you, 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 with you. All right, so let's get back. You ready to get back into this now? I am, yeah. All right, we are back. This is That Record Got Me High. That is Barry Stock. That is Rob Elba. And we are talking to Mr. Steve Mitchner about one of his favorite bands. He loves bringing, I guess this is your thing now, Steve. You bring uh, sort of obscure bands. That you love to us, and uh, and they're um, and they're great, and it's a uh, yeah. yeah. it's a great record. Yeah, and I mean, some would call them obscure or, uh, or a cult band, but to me, they're just a, a long line of bands who should have been huge, and yeah. I can go go on, and that's why I think I'm I'm drawn to the underdog, and I've always been very evangelical about pop, as my friends uh, will 
tell you, especially my friends in my 20s, it's like I was one of these guys who was constantly handing out cassettes, and a lot of it had the... Um, Go betweens on it. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah, with the yeah mixtapes. That was great. See, back in the day, I mixed feel like he was that. Yeah, and the, the mixtape. I mean, I discovered some bands that I love from sure. friends giving me mixtapes. Of and, course, you know, and, I, and I also turned people on. And my kids. I remember I used to make it for my kids, and they, they you know, that's, so that's cool. It is. It is cool. But uh, the fact that people know who Toad the Wet Sprocket is, but don't know who Go Betweens is. I mean, I say right, I lay awake at night. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Shit pisses me off. Yeah. I, I, well, I, I, I like I'm, that. I'm with you. I, I like your passion. All right. So, uh, so uh, song, song number four. Song number four is another Robert Forster song, and this is You Can't Say No Forever. Thing I could picture Morrissey saying something like that, you know, saying you can say no forever. I've tried, you know. <laughs> <laughs> like yeah, but I think that you know these guys; those guys are contemporaries, so yeah, yeah, they're yeah, feeding definitely. from the feeding oh, no, off the same no, source no, material. I'm not saying they're aping them or anything, but I'm just saying I could picture, uh, you know, I, I could picture this. I feel yeah. uh, plus they seem like they might actually be likable characters, whereas we know with Morrissey. <laughs> Yeah, Johnny so Mar- I hear J- Johnny Mars a nice guy. He seems like a very yeah. Apple, Somebody's yeah. got to be a nice guy in that band. Yeah. So. he lived here for a while. He was a Portland uh, resident for a while. Right. I guess, oh, was he? I never, I never met him. Yeah. And oh, after nice. after after you. Hey, it's Steve. Hey, it's Steve. <laughs> Need a ride anywhere, Johnny? <laughs> <laughs> Steve from Big Dipper. <laughs> Um, well, this is interesting to me. I learned from the documentary um, that they never played this song live. It's a really interesting song. It has a, the big beat and uh, really interesting lyrics, but um, they never, it's, it's definitely uh, the strangest song on the album. Well, it, yeah, it has a little different vibe than yes. than the rest of the album. It sounds very yeah. like modern 80s, like late 80s modern it does, sound. Sure. So it's a little, yeah. It's, it's got a driving beat. Once, once the big drums at the beginning sort of get done with the bombastic drum intro, it has right. a, it has a it has a good beat and you can dance to it, but uh, um. <laughs> thank you, Johnny. I mean, I love I, I I don't I'm I'm not as into lyrics. You know, I mean, one of the great things about the Kobe Tweens is their lyrics. It's little snippets, and I do love their lyrics. But this one uh, I thought stood out because um, he's writing a song, um, and this I think is a song that Lindy was talking about where he switches the gender. Oh right, and, uh, that was one of his tricks. She said. You, when he's, yeah. he's he switches the gender, so you he's actually writing about the opposite gender, right? And so he says in here, he says, "As your clothes discard, he asked, was your day hard? You can barely answer. Yes, my world's tumbling down, stone by stone, to the ground. 
please take out the garbage. <laughs> and I love that. It's kind of like you're, you, you know, you're, your life is falling apart, but you still have the mundanity of yeah, know, day-to-day yeah, life. Exactly. You have to deal with. Out the garbage. Yeah. That jumped out at me. Uh, we've yeah, all been there. Uh, yeah, and it, my, one of my other favorite lines in this, uh, a little snippet of the thing is, uh, um, you can't say no in December. A piano played by a child's hand. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I just, I just, I just yeah. like that. I just like that lyric a lot. Yeah, that one. I I actually didn't. I I couldn't uh, decipher what he what he was getting at with that. I don't do, do just imagery. Just imagery, putting a picture yeah, in yeah. your head. But they mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right. Speaking of the that poets. now. Now, exactly. This, I, I'm going to admit that I'm a little disappointed by the next song. Song number five is a Grant McClendon song, "The uh, a Devil's Eye," because I was kind of hoping it would be a song about. The Devil's Eye, but uh, really, uh, all he's saying <laughs> what is... What is the Devil's Eye? Yeah, but he said, all he's saying, uh, but I know with you, I've never seen the Devil's Eye. So it's uh, sort of like yeah. a negative, what is it? A, 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 yeah, exactly. He's talk, talking about, yes. It's a fun An song. absent thing. Because of his love. Yeah, he's never seen it. All right, let's listen to a little bit of The Devil's Eye. you out of my sight Don't want to let you onto your flight The fortune teller might have been right The battle world can turn your hair white And sometimes we don't come through Sometimes we just get by But I know with you I've never seen the devil's eye Yeah, I mean the song's it's really two, it's just seconds over two minutes long. I think that yeah. they it's a good like two part song that you know, I mean this I think Grant was like could write these things in his sleep. Well that's what and, it was apparently when he was involved in a relationship, he was extremely prolific. And so <laughs> he would uh you know, he needed a relationship to feed off of to write lyrics and uh, that's what he did. Yeah, well, I think Elvis Costello said that too. It's like he he would get in and out of relationships because it always was good fodder for songs. <laughs> um, but this is like two minutes acoustic song. I mean, it's a very probably the most simple song in the album. Um, I you know I think this is what struck me about the Go Betweens. Um, so as a fan for that, you know, for their their run when they broke up in '89, and then. During the 90s, I was busy with other other things and uh, getting my degree and raising a family, whatever. And then I saw them play. I think uh, Grant and Robert played an acoustic tour um, after not having played together for a long time in 99. And we were listening, and like, they just played their, through their songbook. And you were like, oh, my God, every song that these guys have written is incredible. And I think they just are able to write songs that get into your brain and and also have some emotional depth. So, yes, um, heavy, I, I, heavy earworm potential yes. on, on this record. Yeah. And even this song, which is a very is a is a very simple like, like yeah, you sure. said, short song. But I love the way he sings the melody. It's very untraditional because he goes and sometimes we don't like he's singing the lyrics yeah. and he's not singing a traditional. So it, it doesn't make it sound uh, trite or cliche or anything. You know, yeah. it's actually right. real interesting the way they. Uh, uh, they put the words to 
melodies in the songs and I guess that's the yes, secret of, that's yeah. the secret of writing a good song but it's much easier said than done correct <laughs> yeah because yeah. it's well, he probably wrote it on the car that, you know the, on the ride home from the airport when he dropped her at the airport Ooh, yeah, yeah 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 right uh, did you write any songs when you when you dropped Robert Forster by, uh, for the airport when you finally wrote about did you write any songs on the way home Steve <laughs> I got a very nice hug and a thank you from him. Oh, I'm sure you did. All right, so this is so this next song is the song we said the one song that, that he did not Robert Forster didn't get to hear until before, that, yeah. before he I guess Grant played it for um, the producer and the producer and was okay, like this is yeah be this on the is record. the hit yes it's huge yeah. Uh, but it was kind of a bone of contention for him. Like he wasn't that thrilled about just this song being <laughs> thrust in there. No, nope. because they had already decided on the single, and yes. uh, apparently this was a usurper. Is, all right, but let's listen. This is a pretty goddamn catchy song. And Barry, you know what I noticed with this song? Much like you remember, we did the Cheap Trick record, and remember we said how many songs started with the chorus. Uh, this song starts yeah. with the yes. chorus. So let's yes. listen to "Streets of Your Town." Interesting uh, to have that in this in this obviously you know pop uh, song. Uh, the watch the butcher shine his knives, and this, this town, town is full of battered wives. wives. And it, the way you're singing this song, you would Probably never know. And I, I, what's Why her name? It wasn't a hit. Uh, Amanda is that her name? Her voice yes. is, is gorgeous. She has a gorgeous voice, and she's yeah. also very cute. So the video yes. you have oh, this, yeah. you can see where oh, I can see where he would fall in love with her. Um, she's she's beaming and she's um, yeah. you know talented, gorgeous blonde, yeah, gorgeous yeah. blonde, and um, you know multi instrumentalist. So they, she had there was a con- there was a contingent. Of what I would see the go betweens whenever they came through Boston when we weren't opening for them, and even when we were, I think there was a contingent of guys we'd all find ourselves in the same spot, standing yeah, in the right stage. in front of Amanda, <laughs> right, right in front of Amanda, just kind of staring up at her. That's I can funny. Uh, yeah, that's like when the Smashing Pumpkins used to say there'd always be some dudes around uh, a dark well, seat. <laughs> and there was a tour where <laughs> just looking at Darcy. Camper Van Beethoven for one tour had this beautiful female violinist on the Key Lime Pie tour. Oh, nice. And it was one of those like, yeah, oh, you just sort of, okay, well, I'm going to stand over there. And then uh, yeah. <laughs> and Butthole Surfers why, had their girl that uh, the Hell yes <laughs> yeah, well, The top of the dancer, story. yeah, right it's different, yeah Well, uh, if, if Gary Wallach is listening to this, he will know that the, the go, This is why, for years, I petitioned Big Dipper to hire and uh, bring into the band a female vocalist slash violinist uh, Completely yeah, influenced sure. by by uh, her and I, you know, and they were everyone vetoed like, oh, that. You were shut down. Just, just <laughs> shut up. You always have to. Well, this band had two women in it, so 
and like on a touring situation, you had sort of a balance of of of, of sexual power. Especially that 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 poor bass player, though. Imagine like yeah. the fifth wheel for a while. Yeah, but I should mention that the bass playing on this song is really fantastic. Oh, uh, yeah. and it's did you not read? even it's not even a bass. It's a, a guitar. It's a guitar yeah. with an uh, with an octave. I read pa- that too. Uh, yeah. with an octave pedal. But, Barry, you can you can explain this to me. So I was listening to that today with that in mind and thinking. Well, it just sounds like a bass. So why go through all the trouble? Why just not play the fucking bass? Right. I thought the same thing when I was listening to it. You know what? Why you can't argue with the result is that's it's always the thing. Well, it sounds great and it's great. He played great lines. He he was playing along in the studio on a guitar and it's good. Oh, that's cool. And he did it and they just did it and said, oh, well, let's just throw the the pitch thing on it or whatever and change it down. I don't know. And he also the bass player also plays that really great lead on. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah yeah yeah. His 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 um. Contribution to this record, I think, is um, n- cannot be uh, uh, um, overestimated. He he really but put all, a lot of the flourishes. This is one of the great pop songs of all time. I, I know, and, and what is. a shame that it wasn't. It, it is. Just oh, it's just. And it's, uh, like, it's, um, it's crazy when you think about and it. And there's a great, cool video for it. Uh, it's just. Why? Yeah, like why? There's two videos, actually. So there's the Australian the, the ori- video. Right, the original one, and then there's the a, original one. And a different and one. And there's kind of a corny one that Capital made. Of course. Uh, which is more of a performance video. But the guy who did the video for this later went on to make a documentary. Uh, about the go-betweens, it recently came out. Not the one that we were talking about earlier. More of a full-length film called okay. Right Here. And I have, uh, I bought it, and I lend it out to so many people. I don't know where it is. I think my friends, uh, one of my friends, has it now. But I can send it down there. Oh, uh, that would be great, great. Okay. Great film, and, it, and it's a great documentary, and it gives you a lot more backstory into this uh, incredibly uh, intense band. I mean, here's the thing: it's like. I thought the go-betweens, as they were going along, I thought, oh, these guys are like, you know, the nice guys, they're sweethearts, they're a great little pop band, you know, because we were a boring little pop band. Right. <laughs> um, and I thought, oh, yeah, they're just normal guys. But there was a lot of uh, drug abuse and, yeah. uh, you know, there's a lot. I mean, Robert, for many years, was, you know, kind of fucked up. And Grant, uh, after the breakup and... Um, he was into heroin for a while. Oh, that's have, yeah. It's like when the, what was the drummer from the Go Go's the, the 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 most normal looking one? She was uh, she was like, oh yeah. And then I was a uh, <laughs> then I became a shock. Yeah, I became a drunkie for twenty years after that. And oh, I was wow, like, wow, oh yeah. wow, yeah. really? Yeah, it, it, it happens. But, uh, it does. But yeah, beautiful, just a beautiful song. And of course, um, when you know when I this to me this was the apotheosis of their career and. They had great songs leading up to this, and I love their songs. But this one was one that I was like, "Well, yeah." Now but, I'm going to. But now there's I'm lose them and now the, that you mention the that, there is, I, like I said before, it's not only melancholy. There's a dark undercurrent under this stuff yeah. that's hard yeah. to quantify exactly, except it. You know, it's there. It's it's sunny, but it's not um, happy. It's <laughs> it's sunny and somewhat unhappy right. and, and like something's tortured. Something's gonna go wrong. Like we're happy now, but something's about to go wrong. Exactly, exactly. 
All right, so let's get uh, song number seven. The unfortunate song that has to follow Streets of Your Town. I know, and, and, and <laughs> actually, and the one song that's kind of, I guess, I mean, I guess it's it's the, the least love song maybe one on the record. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Let's yeah. listen to a little bit of Clouds. I cupped them with my hands and reached up high. I said to these clouds, no more am I blind. I have to see straight, and that will make me unkind. So that's so, uh, exactly know what he's talking about there. But, seems uh, like, yeah, good. yeah, seems like someone... Well, this is, I, I, you, you could tell sort of the, the album is mainly love songs, and it sort of takes you on a little journey where it starts out with just like, you know, love, and yeah. then things start to, t- start to turn, and it yes. starts to get more like lost love. So this is, yeah, this is where we're so Maybe turning. someone has a little problem. Someone yeah, has yeah, a... Yeah. a uh, because you're under cloudy, he's under cloudy skies. Yes, yeah. exactly. Yes. Uh, but- yeah, no, it's a beautiful song, and as uh, and I didn't realize this, and Lindy pointed out in this documentary that the verses are three and a half beats, and I'm not really good That's at right. counting because I'm she, a bass She player. talks about that during the um, documentary, and she says, and they it would she said I wanted it to be a single, but they said, oh no. It it has it has to be four. Everybody, no one can understand it if it's not four. And she was very obviously irritated <laughs> by just, the. Um, I mean, I've listened to this song so many times, and I've never understood never, that it. To yeah, me, it sounds like a four-four song. It does. It never. I never occurred to me yeah, either. Yeah, I never thought of that either. But uh, yeah, very pretty and very. This another one, very uh, Johnny Marr like. I could picture. Sure. Uh, very uh, Smiths like that, that 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 sheen over everything, you know, yes. which is and really nice, really well done. Um, and I think the only negative thing I would say about the song, and and, I, and I'm loath to say this, but and I talked about Robert's theatrical, but the, and the vocals on this song, he takes it a little bit far. He does a little bit too much, like uh, there's a little bit too much emotion. Emoting, emoting rather, not emotion. Okay. But um, it's a little bit affected to me, and it doesn't sound like the rest of the record where he... Right. Okay. So, But that's just a minor... Even for your emo taste, it went beyond you, so... (laughs) If he hears this, we'll have to... uh, Okay, you'll hear about it. The the thing about this album, and you mentioned emo, it's like... I mean, the go-betweens. So the go-betweens were not a band that I brought out a lot or uh, I mean they were more of like a band for my private times I could see that I could see that yeah sure do, yeah. do you guys have albums that you would only play when you like when situation was perfect it wasn't like oh I'm cleaning the house sure on the phone. oh yeah no, no stuff yeah. I yeah that I don't put on like if you're f- taking a road trip you're on a road yeah. trip and sure 
Yes. And you want that perfect album, and it's late at night. And, oh, yeah. And, uh, and, and you already plan on listening that you're going to listen to the whole, whole thing, thing through. Sure. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Because <laughs> yeah. you can't at home, especially when you have kids. You're like, oh, fine. Yeah, they're going to ruin this. Yeah. yeah. No. Nothing to do, so I'm just going to listen to this. And this was the album. Like, for years, I would only listen to the go-betweens at very select times. And then a couple of years ago, I was like, well, this is like my favorite music. Why the hell am I not listening to it all the time? I should, And I started playing it. You know, stopped withholding it from myself. All right. Okay. Just started playing it whenever the hell I wanted to, but uh, but I still save it for those late night drives. Well, as um, (laughs) as people who have to do a podcast every week, when I get to listen to something that's not the album of the week, it's sometimes it's kind of shocking. Yeah, I know (laughs) it's true. It's like, wow, I had totally forgotten about this or. Um, <laughs> hey, you guys have a hard job. I mean, especially with some of these records. I mean, I like most of them, but some of them. I don't like. I don't like all of them. Let's not get into that now. Let's not get into that. <laughs> disparaging we know, other people's tastes. We know my list of yeah. <laughs> um, all right, so this next song. This is my favorite. This is probably my favorite. Uh, it's great. Grant uh, McLennan song on great this record. Song. Uh, was there oh, yeah. anything I could do? it a little more singing it here now he's putting a little more uh uh yeah, more into it. yeah, yeah well this is yeah. Like, so this is when the relationship's basically you know uh over she said she basically tells him she's through and uh you know he's wondering if there's anything he could he could do but but i think this is i think this is the only song they mentioned in the doc that he didn't write about her because they didn't break up until after after the, the band after done. The oh, okay so it was yes. but maybe it was yeah. uh, Premonition. So yeah. actually, yeah, one of my favorite lines in uh, the single I talked about, uh, Man of Sand, is, uh, he, is uh, I, I wrote a song, I felt so sure about our, I wrote a song about us breaking up. Ah. I, think <laughs> I think that's what he's doing here. That's is, what he's is, doing here. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah. Uh, so we that. should, uh, what happened was they went on a big tour opening for REM, as I recall, right? Part of it was, yeah. Yeah, so about a that huge too. tour. And, um, when they returned to Australia, they got back to um, Sydney. Is that where they were living? And yes, um, the uh, Grant and Robert, the other members of the band, they 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 were sacked as they 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 perceived it as yeah, being great word sacked. Um, which you know they broke up the band, but the other that was obviously. Um, Done in a manner which no one was prepared for or understood. Right. So I wanted to ask you about that since you just spent a you know some time with the guy. Mm-hmm. What 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 why, what happened? And were the, was it because they were screwed up people or because right. um, well, Lindy because Lindy actually says I mean nobody will really talk about why. 
And right. but she then she doesn't explain why, like she, her theory on what 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 actually was going on. Right. Well, obviously, I don't know. I mean, a lot of interpersonal stuff going on. But he did. We talked about the band breaking up because he asked me, you know, why I had left the band. We talked a little bit about that, and he just said that they had done this almost continuously um, for eight or ten years. Right. And in a very you know intense relationships, and uh, he he said he was exhausted and frustrated. And he was 32 years old, and he and Grant both were on the kind of the same page. Um, they looked at the prospect of doing it all again. Right. They thought this this is it. You know, we've done. We just made this record. This is one of the best records. This is the best record we could make. And it went it really nowhere. It went didn't go anywhere. Yeah, I mean, it didn't get much more attention than any of their other records. And so they just thought, okay, well, fuck it. We're just going to yeah. break and, up the band. and Yeah. But, of course, that affected the other members, you know. Uh, um, it's, yeah. Well, I think Will Steed would have been gone anyway. But, um, right. you know, Lindy, you know, it was very, very intense for her to uh, to be basically fired by the band that she hadn't started, but she was an integral part of it. Right. And then Amanda, when she found out that they were breaking up the band, she just broke up and Twitch. um ended up devastating him and it's probably something he, he never recovered from wow. really wow yeah so it's kind of like a, a theory in the you know the go-betweens wiki but, <laughs> right um, he wrote so many albums uh, songs about her and pined for her for years and i think towards the end of his life it was sad because he did get find a woman who uh that he was again like really connecting with and he was writing great songs and then he just uh, had a heart attack and died at age 46. Right. Oh, wow. Something like that. 40, yeah. uh, while he was preparing to have a, a party, they were um, getting ready right. for a, a, their, like, sort of... Yeah. It was if very... you want a good read, I mean, Robert wrote a book about uh, his relationship with Grant and the band starting back when they were in school and ending at Grant's death. And it is one of the most beautiful, moving... Uh, love stories about a friendship and a, a working relationship and even though they had their times where they weren't really talking they were kind of like different in Tilbrook right. um, they always had respect and love for each other and then the band broke up for 10 years and then they got back together and without Lindy and Amanda and recorded three great albums and then at the end of the third one they, that's when uh, Grant, Grant died passed away. But, yeah What's the book called? But, do, you, do you remember the name of it? It's called Grant and I oh, wow. by Robert Forster. And yeah, it's a great book. It's really, I mean, when you read the, it's just tears, tears. Yeah, uh, sure. Well, we'll see. It may uh, be out of print. Steve thing, may have the only copy, so you may have to contact <laughs> me to get it, but we'll see. One thing I wanted to point out about this song, just to get back to, was there anything I could do, is um, when they, so they do the verse and the chorus, and then they do a break and the violin kicks in. Yeah. Does that to you, uh, gentlemen, remind you, that violin break remind you of anything? Oh, help us out. Don't put me on the spot. I was just watching the uh, Bob Dylan documentary about the the, um, the Rolling Thunder review. Mm-hmm. And that, that violin break that she put, the violin break that she plays at the end of that uh, thing reminded me of, uh, what's the gal's name who was playing uh, violin on that tour? Scarlet, uh, yeah, Scarlet Rivera. Okay, Rivera. whatever she you say, we'll agree fun. with. 
<laughs> no, I mean, go back and listen to it because it is a classic. It reminds me so much of like uh, Blood on the Tracks, Desire. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Dylan, it's Dylan, kind of like Dylan's in era. this. Dylan's in this record. Like he's he haunts this record at different spots. You know, you hear him come up. These the sounds huge, huge. Yeah, Dylan definitely fans. huge Dylan fans. Yes, which uh, I can sympathize with. The wordplay, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, I mean, I was the like, wordplay too, this, especially. Yeah, we were doing tell. this record, and I was like, "Well, for God's sakes, I should just do, you know, Blood on the Tracks or Desire, <laughs> and get back to the Ur record, you <laughs> yeah. know." But right, uh, indeed. Time. Well, you've already uh, yeah, okay. Now we already had that discussion. I know, so. I know, I know. <laughs> uh, all right, so not to be outdone by his bandmate. Now Robert Forster has to have a song about the ending of his relationship. Yes, uh, <laughs> yes. I was very happy that this song was not a cover of the uh, Kenny Loggins song. Uh, let's <laughs> listen to "I'm All Right." She knows that I'm not ready When my nerves are steady When my eyes are free of tears Someday She doesn't want to hurt me It's okay I'm alright Splashing and dash myself Jane. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Oh, yeah. <laughs> this is very. And uh, again, these guys are total huge Velvet Underground fans. Yeah, the early yes, singles were just right, uh, yes. total covers of Velvet Under so- yeah. Underground songs. And yeah. yeah, and the way he's singing it too, uh, splashing and dashing myself, a sad man. Yeah, it's Lou. Uh, it's, it's Lou. Lou. And there's and there's nothing wrong with that, right? Right, and they're also big fans of Jonathan Richmond, who was well, a big fan of yes, of Lou. And I also thought, think about Nick Cave singing that song right there, and it, it the the birthday party thing kind of makes sense. Think about Nick Cave's robust sort of uh, um, <laughs> voice singing right. that an octave lower, and you go, oh yeah, okay, Ooh, those yeah. guys are all you know all, all together right. now. And I think this song sounds like there's some drum, some actual real drumming in it. So I think maybe this. Well, is I think one she of the does. Play, she yes. play she did play on. real yeah, drums right. on you the record. You could tell. Yeah, you could tell. Yeah, he played on. She played on. He insisted that she play on two of his songs, and I'm not sure what the other one was, but uh, right, this one for sure though. You could tell. It sounds more. It's got maybe the next. I feel maybe the next one which all right the next one i just i want to play the beginning of this next one and then i want to ask you guys what this is and you should get it okay this is let's dive for your memory by the (laughs) go-between all right let's listen to a little bit if the cliffs were any closer the water wasn't so bad I dive for your memory on the rocks and the sand. I dive for you like a bird I descend. 
deep down I'm lonely and I miss my friend when I hear you say that we stood no chance I'd okay what specific Lou Reed Velvet Underground song is um, that the <laughs> I'm gonna leave it to, to the velvet. I was trying to. I was trying to. Because I, I, I was doing the math on my end. A pale blue eyes. It's yeah, pale blue eyes. It's like an homage almost to it. The way. Uh, yes. Yeah. The way it's structured and the way he does it. Um, it's also. Um, what's? Um, it's Dylan. Mama, don't take the. Um, uh, oh. Um, Knocking on heaven's door. I'm not not knocking on heaven's door. More pale blue eyes. It's pale blue eyes, and it's also <laughs> knock 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 on heaven's door. Well, it's like a, you said, Dylan's through the whole record. Dylan, right? Because yeah, Dylan effectively read as well. Uh, yeah, this is a really great. I really like this song, and I like this song as an album closer. I think it's really. Yeah, great. well, the Go Betweens were in the habit of ending their albums with these kind of. I think it was always like a rock too, like they uh, draining the pool for you and apology accepted. Uh, they were they have these kind of ballady, like very big, dramatic, yeah, statement songs, and and uh, but I think this one uh, of all the album enders is most beautiful. And he played this the other night, and it was just everyone was. Just oh, okay, like, yeah. I was going to ask you, what does he do? Because I'm sure that, I guess he plays a mix of. He probably plays some like more contemporary, newer stuff, and I'm sure he's got to play. Yeah, no, his new album is great. I mean, I have to say, like, Inferno is one of the, the best things I've heard this year. Oh, nice. And, That's good to hear. And But he is very liberal with the uh, go-betweens. And in fact, because he recorded uh, one of their albums, uh, an album I almost picked for this, uh, Friends of Rachel Worth, he recorded it in Portland. Wow. So as a tribute to that, and Larry Clay, uh, Crane, the producer, was there, he played all the songs that he had written for that album, which meant to like relearn a couple songs that he hadn't played in many years. So he plays a, a, a set that I would say is like half solo stuff and half um, go-betweens nowadays. And uh, and this right. is from the this is from the lips of his driver, Steve Michener. <laughs> <laughs> his personal his personal personal driver, driver. in the chauffeur. Uh, yeah. I think it's the Pacific word. North in the Pacific, Pacific North Northwest chauffeur. Um, yeah. So I love what uh, a beautiful album. I mean, he's he he's singing to Lindy. Yeah, He's singing, you know that because she. Well, Lindy says, you know, I, we, I, they had been broken up. We that their relationship had been was totally over right, by this point. Right, but that he was still, um, whether he was actually obsessed about it, but lyrically he was still obsessing well, about well, but it. But listen to these words: I dive for you like a bird. I descend deep down. I'm lonely right. and I miss my friend. Yeah, sure. right. It's so, kind of like when you break up with someone and you can't get back to that place right, you, where you were. You know before. you're not going to get right, exactly. But you miss, yeah. But you still just miss your friend too. So uh, yeah. right, right. Yeah, it's, it's a it's a beautiful song. A soft, just, who knew Steve Mitchner was a softy, such a softy? Oh, who I knew. Did you know? I knew. This yeah. is like you know, this is the kind of band that can cut right through my cynical uh, exterior, my your hard, right. your hard, my uh, facade, soul asylum hating heart. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's that's me. <laughs> no, I remember but Steve this was whole, you know, this whole, yeah, okay. But they're, I think they're, like I said before, their whole career led up to this album. Um, yes, and, agreed. Yeah. And then when they couldn't 
I mean, I almost feel like they couldn't. They felt like they couldn't top it, and that's one of the reasons why they. Well, right. What do you? Gonna, I, it's like, yeah. What do you do after? You know, you you make an incredible album. Um, <laughs> that gets almost ignored. That gets <laughs> right. right. You you it, sucks. it just it sucks. Um, it has to be incredibly disheartening, and um, I. I, I I feel for them, you but, know. But uh, I'm happy. I never made a record this good. That's for sure. <laughs> no, but I'm happy. <laughs> I'm happy to hear he's still uh, he's still doing it and still writing. That's songs true. Yeah, and, it's uh, great and playing for people. And obviously, I'm sure he has a uh, following of of people that still you know uh, love the go. Does he, have, Steve? Yeah. What does he do when he's not touring? Does he? Is this how he? Is he? Is he? Is Robert Forster? He drives. Uh, Monochrome set. He drives Monochrome set around too. Ironically, yeah. Right. Yeah. No, he's actually a, a accomplished writer. So he wrote this book. But he, um, one of the things he did, and he puts out albums sporadically. Still, he's on the same. It's actually on the same label as Monochrome set, a German label called Tepete. And, um, but he's a writer, and for many years he wrote album reviews for an Australian newspaper or magazine. I'm not exactly okay. sure. Um, and then he put those, I think he put those together. He wrote a book about kind of about rock, rock and roll and about rock and roll writing, um, which I've had difficulty finding in the, Oh, in the American, uh, yeah, of course. American stores. Yeah. Cause it's an Australian thing, but he's a, but he's a, he's a writer and, uh, he plays music with his wife. Um, his wife is a singer and a violinist, um, and they actually, she wasn't on tour with him in America, but she's joining him in Europe and doing the European tour. And he just did a European tour uh, last year with a, a, a band of younger people. Like I think must have been, a, I think it was an Australian band of Go Betweens fans, and they did a lot of um, Go Between songs. And oh, nice! And that, was, that must have been cool. That's cool. Yeah, I saw. I only got to see videos of it online, but it was very. It looked like it was a lot of fun. But uh, seeing him live solo is also like you know, stripping it down to just the songs, because to me that's what it's about. It's like these guys wrote incredible songs, and they just somehow managed to, you know, get to uh, into my. <clears throat> I don't want to sound too emotional, but it's it's, you know, it's a little it's, Steve Michener's heart. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> My little black heart. Little yeah, black that's heart. fine. Well, thank you, thank you again for yeah, uh, coming Steve. on the show, Steve. You are hey guys, thank you for guest. letting me talk about my favorite record no, no problem. except for that big dripper record all the records you brought on have been really good <laughs> well that was the point i can't believe you said that now i still love it uh, all right barry next week i am i'm gonna just say outright i'm dreading next week <laughs> do you it's, know what um, we're doing yeah, I do. yeah yeah we have our friend our good friend and wonderful person we love her kathy, kathy tomorrow she picked i think she picked this record just to punish us because we, we wouldn't let her do, do, do the, the original record, record the record she actually picked was, you know what steve you may know a Originally, she wanted to do a record by this Boston band called Heretics. Do, do you remember Heretics? Yeah, with an X. Yes, Heretics. And we remember like, well, you know, it's this, kind it's of impossible. Kind of it's they're impossible to find. So we told her no, and then she picked. So, <laughs> so we're doing uh, Dream into Action by Howard Jones. <laughs> yeah, Howard Jones album. So yes. it's going to be an interesting oh, okay. week. Okay, well, I'll see you in a couple weeks. <laughs> <laughs> so that's you never uh, know. You know Kathy's, what? You know you what? You never know. You guys have uh, made me. You know, appreciate records that I never thought I'd right, well, enjoy. Have, so I will, I will listen. Don't have too high expectations for Howard Jones, but Kathy's <laughs> a lot of fun. So Kathy's a wonderful fun. and funny. So person. that is next week. Uh, also, I want to remind everybody.
everyone on uh, Instagram. We are on Instagram at, at that record got me high. Uh, Twitter, we're on at TRGMH podcast. On Facebook, uh, we are just that, that record got, got me high. high on Facebook. And our email is what, Barry? TRGMH33 at gmail.com. So there's no excuse for not getting uh, in touch with us and for going to our Patreon, patreon.com. For as little as a dollar a month. TRGMH, uh, become a patron of the show, and then maybe you'll be a guest on it like Steve, or maybe be a guest on it like tw- 12 times like Steve. You know, right. you never know. Yes. Um, <laughs> but thanks again, Steve, for coming yeah, on. Thanks. And we will be talking, Thank you, guys. We will be talking to you again soon. We will see you guys next week. Once again, that is Barry Stock. That is Rob Elba. Where that record got me high. We'll see you guys next week. We're out. That record got me high. 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 That record got me high.